chapter that describes the love of God. I believe it's perfectly timed for this hour and this moment for what God is saying and doing. So let's jump into it if we can, uh, Michael. We'll go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak, we're just going to speed through this together. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I for surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. For love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, love does not brag, it is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never, never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are gifts of tongue, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, and think like a child, and reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I love, then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known." But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Would you think about this for a moment? First of all, if you'll help us out there in the comments, uh, we'd like to start off by asking you a question. And I'm going to have Stephen feed me some of those answers as they come up. But we want to ask you a question. Uh, they're a little bit delayed, but we'll be able to bring them to you in a moment. So Stephen, pick out some of those great, great comments for me and, and let me know. Well, I don't have my ears in, so you can just shout them out at me. But why don't you put in the comments something that you have loved or love about being quarantined. Or you could put something that you love that you miss. So go ahead and put that in there for us, and we're going to get some of those good comments up. And Stephen, you can feed those to me. We want to know what you love. And if you put Jesus in there, we're going to smack you across the face, okay? We do not want the religious answer tonight. We just want something that you love. It could be a person. It could be a food. It could be a store. It could be a park that you like going to. Something that you love and that you miss or something you love and have enjoyed in the last quarantine. So Stephen, uh, let us know what it is. And some smart aleck is definitely going to put Jesus in there. I guarantee it. It's coming. All right. We all love Jesus. What's that? Daniel Milks. Yes. He'll, he'll put Jesus in there. Uh, I want to break this scripture down. And as you get those, Stephen, you can feed them to me. But I want to break this scripture down. In, in, in the Mirror Bible, it says this. It says, speaking in tongues is not the point. Love is. It is neither angelic eloquence nor the mastery of human language that persuades. It doesn't matter how poetic, prophetic, or profound I may sound. I like this because many times we judge somebody's spirituality by how poetic, prophetic, or profound they are, the three Ps. Uh, Poetic, profound, or prophetic that they are. But if it is not shrouded in love, it is not encased in love, it actually means nothing. My conversation is reduced to the hollow noise of clanging brass symbols if love's echo is absent. Hmm. My dad misses Cuban food. Enjoying reading, journaling, and blogging. Walking. My dad misses Cuban food. That's, that's, that's a great answer. I do too, dad. I do too. Um, I miss DSW. Just going to throw that out there. 
I stop in there about twice a week. I don't, I buy thing, buy a pair of shoes maybe every two months or three months, but I stop in there at least twice a week just to check the clearance rack. You never know what you'll find. Okay. Um, the Greek word, I want you to hear this. This is important. The Greek word for love is the word agape, the love of God. Uh, there's three main w- words used for love in the Bible, but the Greek word for love of God is agape. And it means this. It is from the word ago, meaning to lead like a shepherd guides his sheep, and pao, meaning to rest. It's the same thing as when in Psalms 23, it says, he leads me beside still waters. Love, the, the reflection of love or the idea of love actually leads, it is the leading to rest. I want, if I could preach nothing else tonight, I want you to hear that. Love always leads us to a place of rest. So if we are loving somebody, we're inviting them into a place of rest. When God is loving us, he's inviting us into a place of rest. And so we respond to God and we respond to his love by realizing because he loves us so much, we can rest in him. It's why when people give me this whole, you know, I just believe in telling people the truth in love, you know, and I'm looking at the person they just got done talking to and they look like they're, they're feeling shame and they're feeling bitter and they're feeling angry and they're feeling like they just got verbally slapped around and you feel great because you think you told them the truth in love. But I hate to break the news to you, but the truth is love and love always invites people into a place of rest. Love and the kindness of love and the tone of love invites people to a place where they, like they're beside still waters. And so if you want to love someone or if you want to understand the love of God, we need to understand what agape means. And it literally means to lead like a shepherd guides his sheep into a place of rest. That's good preaching tonight, if you'll hear that. Verse two says this. It says, I could predict the future in detail, have a word of knowledge for everyone. I could possess amazing faith and prove it by moving mountains. But if it doesn't make me any, it doesn't make me any more important than anyone else. Boy, if that isn't a blow to our religious paradigm and egos, that it actually doesn't make us any more important than anyone else. Why? Because love is who you are. And you are not defined by your gifts or deeds. So you can prophesy, you can move mountains, you can have amazing faith, you can have a word of knowledge for every person that passes on the street. But if you don't have love, then you are. You have nothing. We're actually defined by the love that is inside of us. Show me a person who loves well, and you're going to find a person that a lot of people want to be around. Show me a person that has their head too far in the clouds. Some of y'all thought I was going to say something else. That they can't love somebody because they're too busy tripping over their own ego, their own knowledge, their own, you know, want to be right. We're going to get to that in a moment. Verse three, you ready for this? If we break down the Greek, you know what verse three is saying? In the NASB, it says this. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, surrender my body to be burned, but do not love, it profits me nothing. In the Greek, it says thus, love is not actually about defending a point of view. Even if I'm prepared to give away everything I have and die a martyr's death, love does not have to prove itself by acts of supreme devotion or self-sacrifice. Love is not about defending a point of view. Now, to hear me say that, there's about 10 people that are watching online right now that are chuckling at the idea that Dan Miner is saying that love is not about defending a point of view because defending a point of view to me is like a sport. It's, 
Yeah, I live to defend a point of view. Oh, let's get into a debate about something. I, I, I love to defend a point of view. But if you are too busy defending your point of view and your ability or your want or desire in a moment to be right, you're probably not loving somebody well. I've been in some arguments with people lately where I, I felt like I was right. I felt like I, had, I was coming from the right place. I felt like they were wrong. But because I was so concerned about proving they were wrong and I was right, they didn't feel loved. And if they don't feel loved, I have nothing. I don't even have what I think I have, which is the golden ticket of I'm right and you're wrong. I have nothing. Nothing. We go on Facebook and we just hammer one another. And, you know, this person thinks it's a conspiracy theory. This person thinks we're reckless for not wearing a mask. These people think that, you know, you should be able to go out and do whatever you want whenever you want. And the government has no right to tell you this. And we just hammer each other and we hammer each other and we hammer each other. And yet, at the end of the day, we can't figure out why we don't feel loved and the people around us don't feel loved because we're too busy defending a point of view to be what God created us to be because love is our identity and anything contrary to our identity is sin. Do you hear that? Anything contrary to our identity is sin. And sin is, the, is anything that would, would change your mind about who God is or who he created you to be. So every time we enter into a place, I know Dan said the S word, sin. I get it. I'm trying to get you to understand anytime your mind goes to a place where we're not being who God created us to be and we're not seeing him rightly and how he sees us rightly, we've moved into a place where we would classically say is sin. It's not the this and the that that you, we get it all wrapped up in. It's when our minds aren't right. It's when our minds, the, 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 the idea of repentance is actually to change your mind. It's metanoia. It means a mind change. It means for your mind to be renewed about something. What is God trying to renew my mind and yours about? Maybe it's about our desire to be right or to defend a point of view. How many of us have defended a point of view in the name of God, thinking we were doing God a favor? Do you think God needs us to defend him? Stand up at the steps of the Capitol protesting on behalf of God. Really? Do you really think God's in heaven like, finally, somebody's got my back? Do you really think that's what this is about? Meanwhile, spewing things that are causing people to think that we don't love them. And if, if we don't love, we have nothing. And don't give me this I'm loving God in the process by defending him. He didn't ask you to defend him. He's more concerned about if we're loving people than he is about defending a point of view, even if we believe that point of view is his. Somebody at home needs to say, ouch. Verse four, boys, is this good? Do you approve of this back there? Yeah, at home, do you think they should be approving of it? Share this if you can. Love is large. I'm gonna skip ahead to verse seven. This is all good stuff. You can read it. Um, Verse six, love sees no joy in injustice. Love's delight is in everything that truth celebrates. Wow. Love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. Love's persuasion is persistent and love believes. Love never loses hope and always remains constant in contradiction. I'm getting ready to get out of focus because I want you, you can go wide, Stephen, if you need to. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. Listen to me. 
listen to me. Please listen to me. This is a lesson I've had to learn on my own. I will get off the stage and come right up into your grill, okay? Listen to me. Love does not expose. That's too close. <laughs> All right, we'll get back there. Love is a fortress where everyone is protected. When someone doesn't feel protected, we're not loving them, okay? If someone doesn't feel protected, we're not loving them. If we kick them out of the safety of the fortress, if we kick them out of, of the safety of community, if we kick them out of what they have come to know as their safe place with people because we don't agree with them, and we think that we're doing something right by God, I'm going to tell you this right now, it is not love. Love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. Well, how do you confront wrongdoers, Pastor Dan? In love. In love. Well, you know, if I think uh, Billy Bob is drinking too much and, and he's doing this and he's doing that, um, he needs to be confronted by a brother or an elder in the church. Really? How about you do this? Billy Bob. I don't know why it's Billy Bob. I mean, I don't think country people drink more than regular people, so. Um, but do they, Stephen? You grew up in the country town. I mean, you know, he said. That's politics. I will say this right now. Uh, how about this? Hey, Billy Bob, man, I've been, I've been just thinking about you a ton. And I just, man, I care about you so much. I love you so much. And I just want to make sure there's anything going on in your life that you're struggling with or you just feel like you need to, uh, to numb or forget or, or if you're just overwhelmed or if there's anything in life that you, you know, you're just turning to things that, that, that aren't helping you or, or you just need an escape. I'm here to talk to you, dude. I, I love you. I care about you. I'm worried about you. Do you feel any shame in that sentence? Are those sentences? Do you feel any attack? Do you feel any accusation? I've been challenged lately on this idea um, recently about changing my tone from a tone that comes across as accusatory to a tone that actually invites the person on the other side into a, listen to me, into a partnership to solve a problem. You see, because if I love you, your problem is now my problem. So I want to help you because it's my problem too. Because in relationship, we bear one another's burdens. So it's no longer about isolating the person and walking around them like you. This one has a problem, a really big problem right here, everybody. And we just all, we're going to help you. Don't worry. We're going to, no, no, no. Your problem is my problem. Your problem is my problem. Because we bear each other's burdens. Your shortcoming now becomes my shortcoming. Because we're in a community and we have relationship. And so because your problem is now my problem, instead of heaping accusation and shame on you, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to invite me in to help you with whatever issue it is. I want to be invested as much into helping you as most people are invested into telling everybody what their mind is or what they think. Love is a fortress where everyone feels protected rather than exposed. Love persuasion is persistent. Love never loses hope and always remains constant in contradiction. Verse 8 says this, love never loses its altitude. It is a plane, it is an eagle, it is whatever you want to think about, soaring high, 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 
and it never loses its altitude. Love will keep you above the fray. Love will keep you above the nonsense. Love will keep you above, uh, uh, you know, cheap shots. I, uh, I will tell you this. I had some cheap shots this week. That's all I'm going to say thrown at me. And love will allow you to elevate above it. Love for the person who did it, the people who did it, whatever it may be, will allow you to elevate yourself above it. Love always keeps and takes the high road. I know there's a political party, and I don't, we don't get into politics here, who said when they go low, we go high. And I think really nowadays everybody's going low. I think they're in a competition at Washington, D.C. to see who can go the lowest. It's like the limbo. It's like the political limbo in Washington, D.C. But I really believe in the body of Christ that we are called in love to never go low. Even when people go low, we must take the high road. Not the nose up in the air. I'm talking about the high road, the ways of a gentleman or a lady, the ways of an honorable human being, a person who is respected and respectful where we really show honor even to those who persecute us, even to those who spite us, even to those who threaten us. I really believe that's what God's calling us to do. Love never loses its altitude. It says this, prophecies will cease, tongues will pause, but the quest for knowledge will be inappropriate. What we perceive in prophetic glimpses is now completed or concluded in the completeness of his love. I'm going to read verse 13 and wrap up tonight. Now persuasion and every pleasurable expectation is completed in agape. Faith, hope, and love are in seamless union. Faith, hope, and love are in seamless union. The greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. The greatest attribute, the greatest thing, the greatest um, part of your heart and life that you can express to the world is love. And it is who we are. It is who we've been created to be. It is the identity living on the inside of you and I. We bear one another's burdens. We never, ever, ever push somebody outside of the fortress of love. Love always believes the best. Love invites people into a solution. Love is constant. It is a place of rest. Love is who you are. We are not defined by our gifts or our deeds. We are defined by the identity of who God created us to be, and that is his love. Today, I ask you to do one thing. Just evaluate today. Maybe somebody has uh, given you a reason not to love them. Maybe somebody has, um, you, you see an opportunity to love somebody well. Maybe today you need to redefine what God's love looks like for you. It isn't hardship. It isn't pain. It isn't sorrow. It isn't affliction. His love is inviting you into a place of rest. And if you are feeling restless and you're feeling chaotic, you're feeling unstable, if you're feeling insecure, the love of God is inviting you into a place of rest. His love is agape. It is leading us beside still waters to a place where the abundance of heaven is waiting for us to rest in. So let's kick aside all these other fake definitions that we have throughout the world and in Christianity and realize that an invitation to love looks like an invitation to rest, an invitation to protection and security, an invitation to throwing away our desire to be right and to get our point of view across. That's what love looks like. I still don't know the title this, about, of this message. I'm going to ask the guys right now, what is the title of this message? 
No, did you already put a title up? You put something about love? They asked me in the beginning of my message what the title of my message was. And I said, I don't know. It's just something about love. So he put something about love. Hmm. Just leave it something about love. I think it's good. Or put something about Michael. We love you. Share this. Thank you. If you want to give the description or the links there in the bio, we're going to leave up the information for a couple more minutes. If you have any, listen to me, if you have any prayer requests tonight, we have a moderator online waiting to pray with you. They will pray with you right there in the comments. And so if you have any prayer requests, we're going to leave this feed up for another five, 10, 10 minutes, maybe five, seven minutes. Go ahead and put your a prayer request there. They'll make sure that they get it to me and they'll pray for you right now, and we'll also pray for you as a pastoral staff and team. God bless you. We will see you throughout the week for Harvest Dailies, and I did one today with Aaron Miller. Oh, and Sunday at 10 a.m., we're moving it to 10 a.m. Our Sunday service will be 10 a.m. this week. We will have David Wagner live with us, who is one of the greatest prophetic voices you will ever hear in your life and a great friend of this house. Do not miss it. Mark your calendars. We will see you then. God bless.